Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This is DSC's Untamed Heritage. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Ruger. Rugged, reliable firearms. Hardity. Accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon. Brilliant aiming solutions. Burnham Brothers Calls. Calling us calls made. Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas raised hunting products. The Scent Gods. www.trailingthehuntersmoon.com. The Hunter Conservation Website. With Corey Mason this morning, Corey, hunters care. Mm-hmm. Now that's a catch word. But there's a whole lot more to it that's going on right now, right? Particularly when it comes to DSC? You bet. Yeah. So Hunter's Care is an acronym that stands for, obviously, CARE is a COVID anti-poaching relief effort. Uh, Recognize it in the times that we have of no international travel, uh, travel bans, in-country restrictions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Recognizing that Hunter's dollars and conservation dollars are not flowing and reaching the ground right now in Africa. Uh, where conservation efforts are are pretty fragile, uh, recognizing that those that operate those large government concessions or private ranches are dependent upon dollars to be able to support those efforts. And in the absence of uh, operators funding anti-poaching efforts that, you know, well-organized anti-poaching signi- um, syndicates can very quickly establish themselves and come in and and hit game species, non-game species, uh, flora, really all-encompassing. Um, and so in the absence of dollars flowing right now, DSC and DSCF established Hunter's Care, recognizing the need to try to put dollars where they were most needed, again, in the really fragile conservation state that Africa can be in when dollars are not there, to try to support those needed efforts of anti-poaching. Now, if someone is a hunter or a non-hunter or even an anti-hunter, I think anti-poaching is one of those points that we should all and can all rally around and understand the fact that in the absence of someone there to protect those game species, non-game species, birds, pangolins, whatever it might be, uh, 
that those species are in significant peril. There's no one there to, to manage those species. There's no one there to protect those species. And protect is the right word in this particular yes, case. Yes, um, And even deforestation, really any and all type things, illegal mining, all of those things occur in the absence of someone occupying and, and being present on those sites. Um, so DSC, to take the first piece of it there, DSC established the, the, their portion of Hunter's Care, and which providing grants to... Uh, existing partners that we have relationships with in a very sort of a rapid response way and putting a few thousand dollars there very quickly back into their pockets to keep their anti-poaching teams on the ground. Essentially, it's focused on salaries and fuel to keep anti-poaching teams on the ground doing what they're doing. Again, if that's protecting rhinos, if it's protecting elephant, or if it's general anti-poaching presence to keep bushmeat trade, whatever it might be in, to keep those people out. On the other side of this, DSC Foundation has established their their side of Hunter's Care in which the interested public, members, whoever it might want to be, uh, to establish and provide a um, a charitable contribution through the foundation in which zero is consumed for overhead. It's 100% pass-through, and it is a tax-deductible donation uh, through the foundation that is going to qualified, recognized operators across Africa uh, to ensure that dollars reach those conservation places in which they need to go to ensure that anti-poaching efforts are taking place. For example, on the DSC side right now, I know that we're putting dollars in eight different countries in Africa right now in a very quick turnaround, roughly two weeks' time. And the foundation is doing the same right now. So again, it can be directed by the donor to a particular country down to a particular operator, or rather it can go through the foundation and say, you know these operators and you know the places on the ground that have the greatest conservation need, or maybe I should say are under the greatest threat. Um, and we, we're sending you these dollars. You put them where they need to go. Again, 100% pass through, and they're being delivered on the ground quickly to ensure that needed anti-poaching is occurring. The good thing about all that is, is uh, I, well, I, I serve on the DSC board, and I mean a DSC foundation board. And that money goes, as you mentioned, when it comes in, it goes out very, very quickly. Yeah. What I meant by the good thing is, is it, what may not seem like a huge contribution here is a monster contribution in these countries. Uh, I mean, $5,000, which thus is a fair amount of money. I mean, you have to work hard to get $5,000. But $5,000 here doesn't go nearly as far as what it does, say, in some of the African countries. That's right. Exactly. So it really, even if you can donate $100 or $5 or $10 or just get several people together in your little community and say, hey, I, you know, I really kind of like this idea of protecting the animals that right now, particularly in Africa, uh, that really need the protection through po- anti-poaching. Let's let's each kick in twenty dollars. Well, maybe maybe you come up with five hundred dollars. Well, five hundred dollars equates to lots of lots of boots on the ground, if you will, <laughs> and getting people into situations where they need to be as far as vehicles are concerned. Yeah, for five hundred dollars, to use your example, you know, you can put uh, two to three people on the ground for the month for five hundred dollars, and that. That's something that people could think, you know, well, maybe I can't make a difference. Well, 20 bucks here and there makes a difference. Yes. If somebody sends 100 or $200 in, all of a sudden you've, you've either completely or gotten really close to funding an anti-poaching scout for a month, and that, that makes a difference. Absolutely. We would, we would love to be able to put those dollars through the foundation on the ground, and they would be well used, um, and they'd be well accounted for. It's so very important to me right now. It's not only important to do; it's, it's the proper thing to do. If if we expect to have 
and it's so different here, having been in Africa. I can say, say you and anybody else that you know as well too. But it's so different here compared to there. I mean, we've got even though we've had operators shut down for the springtime, maybe spring turkey season or spring bear season, and those kind of things, those animals are not in peril. Yeah, and you know, in North America, we we're, have the great benefit of some of the most highly trained and dedicated state game and fish agency conservation officers, yes, uh, provincial governments as well, you know, some of the most highly trained, dedicated you know, game and fish officers as well, all across North America. And so really the concept to a North American to understand that that a, that a poaching gang of 100 people could come in and take over a, a million-acre government concession and essentially devoid it of life. I mean, yes. from, from birds yes. to reptiles, amphibians, anything walking is just, it's a foreign concept to understand how that can occur. But yet in Africa it can occur very quickly. You know, when an operator is not on a property in a government concession uh, specifically, um, and they're not there for a month or two because there's no, there's no money. There's no essentially person to take them there. Uh, it, it takes no time, a few weeks. And the next thing you know, someone has moved in and these people, you know, these people are, are organized. They do so in a very systematic manner and they realize what they have to lose. Um, and, and they'll, um, they do it very smartly. And so the presence, uh, is, is just so critically important And an anti-poaching team, having a routine presence in an area uh, checking for insurgents, checking for snares, checking for traps. Um, and, you know, one of the things we talk about for a snare, if a snare is set out, a snare has no end of life. No. It no. exists until that piece of metal rots. which and that is takes a long time there. Decades in many cases, right? So if that snare is set four or five foot off the ground, that, or two or three, whatever the, whatever the height is, that thing is there until something walks through it. Uh, you know, next week or in three years, uh, when it walks through it, and the next thing it knows, it's been strangled and it lays on the ground till it dies. Um, it's you know, it's a very untimely, very cruel death, and it's indiscriminate. Um, and so, it is. It is important for us as people that uh, that are concerned conservationists to participate in these kinds of things. And I'm very proud of the efforts of DSC and DSCF to address this and to recognize the timing is now. It's not to wait. It's to deal no. with it now when these dollars are needed. How can somebody go about doing a donation? Yep, they can go to the DSCF website, uh, and within that, there is a, a link on there associated with the COVID-19 relief effort. Uh, they can give directly right there, or they can pick up the phone within that, pick up the phone and call someone if they'd like to visit with someone, and clearly we would welcome that, and visit with them about this is how these dollars are going to move through DSCF, this is how they're going to get on the ground, uh, and let them know about what they're being part of. And so we would welcome that, and again, they... In the near future, they'll be able to see some success stories, some videos, et cetera, of how these funds are being used on the ground and the difference they're making. DSC does a lot of work, so many different places, including here in North America. And, and there's some things going on, there have been going on with the grizzly bear. Can you bring us up to date as to kind of what's going on right now? Yeah, there are a couple of things that are probably the most challenging associated with sound wildlife management. Uh, decisions that have been made in the last couple of years that really kind of speak in the face against the North American model of conservation in which science is and should be the guiding principle to manage these species. And a couple of these, we, we can kind of start here continentally in North America and look at right. in the, the greater Yellowstone ecosystem area yes, sir. and see what should absolutely be celebrated as a, as a complete success story. I know the Endangered Species Act is, is there to, its purpose is to recover a species. It's not there to apply 
restrictions and prohibit and prohibit and prohibit. It's there to recover a species and celebrate that with defined mechanisms and thresholds and et cetera, et cetera. And the grizzly bear is one of those examples in some of those areas at state level, they're federal level, and we can kind of get into those details. But the grizzly bear in that particular system there has been recovered and the state found such and the Fish and Wildlife Service found such. Uh, but unfortunately, as a single federal judge stepped in and and uh, really stepped beyond his capacity, Judge Christensen, and, and really over, well, he didn't, he did completely overturn the state and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and made some very extemporaneous uh, statements that, the, you know, the species wasn't recovered range-wide, which is completely outside of the context of what the intent of that is. But nonetheless, he stopped what should be celebrated as a great success. Yes, and stop the state from being able to implement the tools in which it justly can do so to have a regulated, legal, highly monitored uh, quota set hunt of grizzly bear. This was essentially, I guess, two years ago at this point now. Um, and the hunt was stopped by the federal judge. Um, the problem with that is it wasn't based on science. It wasn't based on anything other than a political agenda to not support science-based wildlife management and the understanding that hunting is a tool associated with that. Well, we can jump just north of the Canada line there into British Columbia and see a very similar thing that happened, again, within the last couple of years as well, in which a new government was essentially elected, um, and they ran on a platform in which they said they were going to ban grizzly bear hunting. They were elected, and they did so. Uh, they, they did it incrementally, in which the first step was they allowed people to hunt, but then you could not bring, essentially, the skin uh, and skull, etc., out of the out of the field, which is very counterintuitive to want waste, etc. But nonetheless, that's what they did. And then they fast forwarded within the uh, roughly the next year and made it illegal to bring or to hunt the species at all. So nonetheless, again, not based on science, the grizzly bear population in British Columbia is unbelievably strong and robust. Um, but that's the decision they made, and that's that's where it is. And so. A particular outfitter there, Ron Fleming, has taken a case against the government um, with the support of many of those around him. Got Outfitters Association there uh, to essentially understand the impact of the government's decision on that. Again, not based on science, based on sentiment, uh, which is a very dangerous decision to use or decision point to use to manage any species of right. game, any yeah. species, right? And uh, and so this trend is continuing to move. Uh, we see grizzly bears and polar bears, uh, to a very greater extent, being further threatened, if you will, in the sense of not in the not at a uh, listing capacity of threatened, but rather rather the ability to manage those species being threatened by organizations that are anti-sustainable use um, in the broadest sense of that. They do not believe that those species should be. Uh, should have management applied to them, and that may be a limited use, a uh, a quota to hunt said number of those individuals in which they're highly regulated. Those you know those hunts of those species are monitored by the brightest minds in, in wildlife biology that's out there. Yes, sir. You know, uh, but that threat continues. It continues in the sense of uh, uh, further examinations that are there in CITES, um, and again from the same community of anti-sustainable use recognizing that state game and fish agencies monitor these populations on an annual basis. They adjust quotas up and down based on populations. Hunters in the hunting community all know and accept that, that that is sound wildlife management. But there are those on the sidelines that want to say that they're not managed well, they shouldn't be hunted, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all in a very purposeful, agenda-driven manner 
to simply prohibit the hunting of these type species, these types of apex predators. If it's polar bears, grizzly bears, brown bears, black bears are on the list next within their target, if you will. Uh, these species are very plentiful, uh, robust populations, uh, but yet those types of organizations want to just simply stop the hunting of them, not because they're not healthy populations, because they don't think you should hunt them. That's bottom line, as far as they're concerned. You mentioned black bear. There's some things going on here in the states as far as black bear concerned. I mean, we're blessed in Texas to where we're starting to see a few black yeah. bear again. I've, I've actually seen a few here in Texas. Uh, but I know there's some other things going on in Florida and some of the other states. And as you mentioned, those are targeted species as far as the anti-animal use, anti-hunters are concerned right now. That's right. What can we do to counteract that? Some of that may... Is there something we can do to create a wall now rather than being 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 reactive now and rather than coming up later when something does come up we go oh my god we should let this happen what, what can we do yeah so so number one it's a very strong and vocal support of our game and fish agencies that are the responsible responsible authority to manage those those species uh, and understanding that those biologists are doing their job they're monitoring those species and an understanding in which the hunting community almost always conforms to, to understand that those quotas are set based on population levels and a strict adherence to that, you know? Uh, and, and that's number one. And number two is essentially the understanding of the fact that we need to stand as a vocal voice, that we strongly support science-based wildlife management and decisions that are made outside of that, uh, there's no place for it. You know, politics has no place in wildlife management. No. It should be managed by those professionals that understand what they're doing. And that, no disrespect meant, that's not a politician. No, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Where do we go from here with all this? Do be, again, be a member of DSC so that you can stay informed. It comes yep. right back down to having good, sound information for you to, as an individual to make your decisions on. And then expand from there that's it and you know for someone to number one have good information to know that whatever organization they're supported in behind like dsc to know that you have a vocal advocate in an organization like dsc that is engaged is working with and against those kind of organizations working with game and fish agencies working against organizations like the humane society we're working in the capacity of uh, CITES animal working group meetings. We're working in towards World Conservation Congresses and those times of things that we're, we're an active voice and an active presence there to make sure that science-based wildlife management is the tool that is used to manage these species as it should be, not you know political decisions, political desires, uh, whelms of, of an organization that are there that are just to fill an agenda of anti-hunting. And so to be willing to call those things out as well in a respectful way so that we get the end product that we're looking for again, which is simply put science-based wildlife management. Let's look at it this way. I'd say I live in Arizona. We've got a huge black bear population. I've hunted Arizona and I'm going, Hey, we got black bear all over the place. You know, there are no federal regulations. It's a state regulations. What would you tell that guy? Yeah, so first of all, I would, I, would, I would ask someone to not be lulled into complacency, uh, to not think that this situation in which you maybe have at your, and maybe you're never going to leave Arizona to hunt, right, and that's yeah. great, but the point is to not be naive to think that that will never happen here in Arizona. Uh, the same people thought those things wouldn't happen in other places. You know, they didn't think that would happen in Canada, British Columbia, Wyoming, Montana, a great frontier state, right? Yes. But yet those kinds of things are happening there. You know, we look in Florida in which we've seen state legislature members trying to 
reimpose Endangered Species Act coverings of of a very prolific bear population in in Florida simply because they don't want an ever-growing bear population to ever be hunted, which is not the intent and purpose of the ESA. Uh, So using those kinds of tools inappropriately, number one, they should be called out for. But for any hunter to understand, if you were a, a pheasant hunter or a turkey hunter, for any hunter in North America to understand that I need to pay attention to what's happening in Spain, in Arizona, in British Columbia, and everywhere in between, because if we're complacent and think, that doesn't concern me right now, that doesn't affect my way of life, that doesn't if, you know, impact the way that my family goes on a, a pheasant hunt over Thanksgiving holiday, whatever it might be, it's naive and it's extremely short-sighted. Uh, because those, it's just, it's just the methodical working through of these anti-hunting organizations. They're working with bears, they're working with wolves, they're working with mountain lions. And to not think that that's not part of a broader strategy is very naive. Guess what's next? There's the next species. It's hunting with dogs. And then the next species is fill in the blank. And maybe it's elk. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's javelina, whatever it might be. But in a 10-year increment, we're going to turn around and look over our shoulder and think, how did they take all of those pieces? And it's going to happen because people think, well, it doesn't affect me, so I'm not going to stand up. We need to stand up and fight every one of those battles and understand that the next thing it might be, they may be attacking exactly what you enjoy to do. And some of those animals may be put into the CITES as well, too. They could and, be. And if that happens, yep. then we have people beyond our borders that are involved with things. That's exactly right. People voting on things that are in your backyard that are around the world. Yep. Yeah, one of, one of my favorite Facebook sightings is of these the endemic tribes sitting around a campfire in Africa saying, I think we ought to be doing this with white-tailed deer in North America. Exactly. And to me, there's a chuckle involved in that, but at the same time, it's kind of throwing it right back at us because that's sometimes what we do is, is we, we try to manage everything over yonder not knowing, and the we being right. not members of DSC or, or people who are involved in the outdoors, but uh, yep. those folks who may be truly naive to the, what's going on in that part of the world. I watched it in that same spirit, Larry. I watched an absolutely disgusting display at this last uh, CITES COP conference of the parties, in which the European Union representatives we were sitting in a working group meeting associated with leopard quotas. And I watched a, a representative from the European Union essentially just chastise representatives from the SADC countries, Southern African Development countries in Africa, because this individual did not think that essentially that uh, she could trust, if you will, their science and the ability to implement leopard quota implementation. And it was a disgusting display of the Western world trying to impose its rights and ideologies um, and oh arrogance, if you will, yes. on another country, on the sovereignty of that particular country, to the point that you raise exactly. Yeah. Uh, all the while recognizing that coin could be flipped over and the same thing could occur in five years right in, in their backyard, too. Yes. So yes. it's a double-edged sword. So stay informed. That's it. Get on the DSC website every chance that you get. Stay up with Facebook as well, too. And then I'm sure there's some other social media things that DSC is involved in where you can remain current as to what's going on. That's it. And it's important that we do. And then let your voice be heard. Learn everything that you can and, and let Corey and the guys know here at DSC how you feel and say, hey, I'm, I'm willing to volunteer. I've got some dollars because it's going to take dollars. We're, we're fighting battles that are very well financed by 
the unknowing, because uh, I think a lot of those folks, if they actually took the time to learn the facts, would go, wait a minute, we're supporting the wrong side in all this. Well, and another way to engage is our chapters, and, and those are all across North America. And one of the important points of that is we were recently fighting a piece of legislation in Connecticut uh, that would have prohibited the import uh, of legally taken animals from Africa, which was just asinine. And again, it imposed on the sovereignty of African countries and uh, regulatory authorities as well. But nonetheless, you know, so we engaged in that with our partners, Congressional Sportsman's Foundation. Um, and then we engaged our, our state-level chapter there in the Northeast for uh, that, that area. Uh, they activated and engaged very quickly. Uh, they jumped in there with the state legislature and provided a number of voices uh, and were very effective uh, in working against a piece of legislation. And so uh, so obviously we had the DSC, the organization, as, an, as a proper, but then we have all our chapters across North America right now uh, that engage on a, on a local level. And local may be multi-state or it may be a single state level, uh, but nonetheless there's a lot of ways to engage to be part of that. And as someone, if they choose to become a DSC member, which clearly we would love that, we also have these member action alerts in which we're working to further develop, um, in which we're establishing and sending out state-level alerts or obviously federal level to all members associated in North America, associated with a particular piece of legislation, informing people to support or oppose uh, with a few piece, a few sentences there for them to, to draft, to cut and paste, if you will, uh, for them to send to their local, state level, or federal representative and a phone number and a link for them to find who that might be as well. So trying to make it as easy as possible for the members that want to engage to have an active voice to be able to do so. Number one, to make them aware of the issue, and then number two, give them the ability to quickly contact that elected official so that they can have their voice made both individually as well as collectively through DSC. I noticed in our DSCF board meeting that we've got chapters who doing very much what you just said is creating dollars and donating it to specific areas. And that's another way, as far as I'm concerned, become a member of a DSC chapter as well, too. And maybe if you're already a member, you've got an opportunity there to, to donate and to truly help. Absolutely. You know, through the chapters, through the foundation, through DSC, whatever it might be, they can reach out to any of us. And we will put them in touch the right way through the right person to get them so that the dollars that they want to contribute, again, 20 bucks, $2,000, anything in between, whatever it might be, to make sure those dollars get to where they need to be on the ground. And, and for someone to have the, the personal fulfillment of, as well of understanding that the dollars in which they've contributed made a difference on the ground at a time of need. And they will go there quickly. They will get there quickly. That's exactly right. With, with zero overhead. Yes. It's just a total pass-through. <laughs> it is total pass-through, getting the dollars where they need to go. And if someone says, you know, I don't know where these things need to go, but I trust that you do, they will get to the right place. We have yes. we have people that we work with all across Africa in any particular country uh, that have been proven time and time again, year after year, decade after decade in many cases, to be sound stewards of wildlife uh, that we know from demonstrated uh, understanding of what they're doing on the ground their anti-poaching activities, that those dollars will go where they need to go. And they go to the website and see where the different chapters are, and there should be, as I recall, a link to these different chapters. And then also we have Carson Keyes on board with us who's 
primary job is the development and working with the chapter. So if you're in an area, you look and go, gosh, it's miles from here to here, and there's no DSC chapter here, and I'd really like to start one. They can get in touch with Carson, and Carson can get the ball rolling, get a few people together, and uh, you might have a chapter in your area. Exactly. I mean, it's a great time to, to work for the right cause. Yes. And to engage with like-minded people, build some great relationships as well. Corey, thank you very much. So, guys, if you got any kind of dollars laying around that you're not using right now, or even, you know, dig a little bit deeper. If it hurts a little bit, you'll appreciate it that much more, and, and you will really be doing some good. Corey, thank you. Thank you, Larry. Appreciate it. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights, Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms, Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Vernon Brothers Game Calls, callness calls made. Texas Wildlife Association, working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas raised hunting products, the scent gods. www.trailingthehuntersmoon.com, the Hunter Conservations' website. Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.